Well, it's Super Sunday today. It's Super Sunday. Rosie this morning said, I've got to watch something on TV, she said, because yesterday you said that today is a day of sport. <laughs> we've got the Tour de France stage on today. We've got the cricket today. We've got the tennis, and it's the British Grand Prix. It's the stars of a line today. It's Super Sunday. Super Sunday. I know she can, but but I want to tell you. See, we don't just want to survive in this place. I'm sick and fed up, and we, we talk. We're sick and fed up of just surviving. That's not how God intends for you to live your Christian life. Just surviving. This this place is not called the survival center. Maybe revival, yeah, but we're not the survival center. God doesn't want you just surviving, getting through thinking, I've just got to get to Sunday. And then you come in and you have Wendy encourage you on from the platform and see Jesus up and maybe Catherine or Kelly, whoever it is. And then we go out and then we kind of think, oh, Monday morning's coming and then we just got to survive to get through. That's not what God's intention is. I don't want to be part of a place that's just survival. Now, there will be times when you need to just survive. Don't get me wrong. In my life, there's been times where you're kind of just clinging on by your fingertips sometimes. I'm not saying that it's not okay to just survive some, but if you're constantly living in that lifestyle of just surviving, there's something wrong. This is the worship center. Where everything we do comes out of worship. Because we believe in a God that is triumphant. The Bible goes further and it says that you are seated in heavenly places. Ooh. <laughs> you are seated in heavenly places. And if you're only to really grasp that, Truly grasp that, it would change your life. See, your starting position, not your end position, your starting position today is one of glory. The Bible says, the Bible I read says he's taken you from glory to glory, Tills. Can I call you Tills or Tim? <laughs> Tilly. He's taken you from glory to glory. That means today your starting position is glory, Nora. Wow. Wow. Habakkuk 2. If you turn to Habakkuk 2, please. Habakkuk 2? Habakkuk. That's got a few of you dashing around thinking, Habakkuk? There's a great passage of scripture there in Habakkuk that Habakkuk's name means embrace, to embrace. And I was thinking on it this week, and it's an incredible book, short books. You should be able to read it in a day if you want to. Habakkuk, this is what it says in Habakkuk 2, verse 1. He says, I, everybody there. 
give you a bit more of a chance. It's near the end of the Old Testament. When Habakkuk's writing this, there's been turmoil. There's Israel had fallen from its pinnacle of, of God's kind of favor. It, it, it started to decline. There were other nations. The Babylonian Empire was starting to raise up. God's people were starting to be violently treated. The, the justice system, the, everything was starting to crumble. Sound familiar? <laughs> God's people were treated unjustly. There was stuff going on at the time of Habakkuk writing this that was not good. And so Habakkuk was perplexed. He came to God with questions. We said a few weeks ago, it's okay to ask the difficult questions. God is not put out by you asking him difficult questions. The why, the wherefore, the how. God's not worried about your tough questions. And here, Habakkuk, this book, the essence of Habakkuk, he's, he's asking the difficult questions. And in chapter 2, he says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm correct. See, he's waiting. He's asked the questions. Then you've got to wait. Then you've got to wait. And the title, the top of the, the next part of the scripture says, The just live by faith. Then the Lord answered me. Aren't you glad God answers? Aren't you glad this morning? That fills my heart with joy, just that bit. You can take bits out of the Bible and think, actually, you can just skip over that. But the Lord answered. They didn't have to chant and cut themselves and grovel and beg. Yes, he may have had to have waited. But that's a good thing, as we'll get on to in a minute. But the Lord answered him. The Lord answered. I want you to know this morning that the questions you've asked, the prayers that you've prayed, God says, hey, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. He said, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak. And it will not lie. Though it tarries, that means wait. Though it waits, though it tarries, though it lingers, wait for it. Wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will surely come. Though it tarries, wait for it. See, the vision here, I can look at that and say, hey, this could mean to me that that could be God's word, a dream. See, vision, four parts of this vision. Vision one must be received with patience. Vision always must be received with patience. Two, vision has an appointed time. Three, vision is often delayed. <laughs> One, vision must be received with patience. Two, vision has an appointed time. Three, 
vision is often delayed. But four, its fulfillment is certain. Its fulfillment is certain. What do I mean by that? See, whether it's the salvation of a loved one you're looking for, believing on God for, whether it's a backslidden Christian, whether you're in a time of transition with a new job or saying, God, I need you to help me out financially, whether it's a new building, we've got to wait. Man, we've waited. But though it waits, wait for it. Because it will surely come. Those of you who are waiting on loved ones, it will surely come. Be encouraged. His word does not return void. So I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had to wait on someone? We've all, it doesn't feel very nice sometimes, does it? Have you ever had to wait for a loved one? Or had to wait for some, a bit like waiting for Christmas, isn't it? When you were a kid. But recently we had to wait for Rosie. We had an experience where Rosie went away for a weekend to um, Grenville for a residential. We had a weekend to ourselves, didn't we? It was great. It's kind of like, thank you, Lord. I was winding up, sort of pretending to ring P&O cruises to kind of like, yeah, we're kind of going away for a weekend. She kind of got really irritated, didn't she? But she went away for the weekend, but then she came back. And we had to wait. And all the parents were waiting for the coach to arrive at the school. It was quite late. It got, it actually were delayed, weren't they, in the end? It got back about 9 o'clock in the evening on the Sunday night. And you're kind of thinking, oh, yeah, you know, doesn't matter, Rosie. Yeah, she's gone away. We'll just wait here for her to come back. But you could see some of the parents, they're kind of there, you know, and they got their banners out. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome home, little Johnny, sort of thing. (laughs) Got their T-shirts, and there's me, got my T-shirt underneath, kind of trying to act all cool, but we're there really kind of desperate for Rosie to come back because you missed her. Because you missed her. Weird feeling, isn't it? When you go to an airport or a train station and you see people when they arrive back, there's videos on YouTube. There's something about when you're waiting for a loved one to return. What does it feel like in the waiting? I want to take you to a a well-known passage of Scripture this morning. If you turn to Luke 15, because we're going to have a look, it's the prodigal son. But before you start switching off, thinking, oh yeah, I know that. I've read that lots of times. Rob's even preached it recently, didn't you? Then that's a dangerous place to be when you think you know everything there is to be with this passage of Scripture. See, very often in the parables, when, when Jesus is talking, whenever you see the Father or the, the vineyard master, or the master, that's talking about God the Father. It's talking about God the Father. And there's, you put me title up already, that there. That's the title of my message today, It's Worth the Wait. It's Worth the Wait. And in Luke 15, the Father waits. The Father waits. 
And we know the story. The youngest son came and he asked for his inheritance that fell to him. Basically, what he was doing was wishing that his father was dead. Wanted his inheritance now. And he spends it all. All that his father had put into him, he spent it all. And the father says nothing. The father says nothing. He never sent any messengers out to try and find his son. He never hired any private detectives. He never hacked his phone or put tracking on his phone to try and find where he was. There was no Channel 4 documentary on it called The Hunted where they try and track this guy down. What did the father do? The father does nothing but wait. He waits. And Wendy was brilliant on Wednesday. And he says, when we can't fix it, when we can't fix it, whatever that it is for you, when we can't fix it, we've got to stand and be quiet and listen to what God is saying. See, that was what Habakkuk did that we just read. Habakkuk stood, he waited. Having done all, the Bible says, stand and wait and listen for God's response. And Wendy mentioned saying, sometimes we kind of, we try and have a word to say, don't we? And we try and go in, in good intentions. And we think, well, I'm going to say this because God's told me to say it. But sometimes we just got to wait. It's not always the right time. And what I, what I love and what I've read recently is, what about Job's three friends? Huh. Yeah, we usually do that response when we hear Job's three friends. We usually go, huh, huh. Yeah, what good friends they were. In Job 42, yeah, they weren't very good friends. They actually gave bad advice, and God actually said he was angry with one of the friends because of their advice. But what about Job 2? All gone quiet over there. <laughs> what about Job 2? See, because in Job 2, what it says is when they found out what had happened to Job, these three same friends at the beginning, what did it say they did? They forsook everything. They left their lives, they left their families, they left their jobs, they left their livelihoods. What did they do? It said that they went to their friend Job and they didn't quote Bible scriptures at him. They didn't say this, that, and it. it says that they went and they sat with him for seven days in silence. They came alongside him. Isn't that interesting that what happened this morning? That that's a friend. You don't have to say the right thing at certain times. I remember when there was a bit of trauma and tragedy in my life that I didn't want people to say things. You don't, you think, and I've had to try and speak some things into other people, you think you've got to say the right thing. But sometimes it's of actually just being silent, which is what you said on Wednesday. Just being quiet, but coming alongside them. <laughs> coming alongside them. Isn't that a great picture of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. 
Isn't that what the Holy Spirit, when Jesus said, I go that another may come? A helper, a comforter. The implication of that is, is someone who comes alongside. Yes, the Holy Spirit is inside, but coming alongside as a comforter. That's what I love. See, the, the, the three friends get a bad rap. But we need to remember what they initially did as well. That they actually sat with him. That was their initial response. Back to Luke 15, the, the father waits. The father waits. The youngest son, the one with the most time, he was the youngest son, he had the most time, but the least sense. He went off. He went and did what he wanted to do, whereas the father, the one with the least time, but the most sense, <laughs> he waited. He waited. Interesting, isn't it? And the Bible clearly states in Isaiah 40, Verse 31, it says, those who wait upon the Lord shall what? They shall renew their strength. So what does that mean? That means to me, when I read that, that when you wait, what are you doing? You're spending energy. It's tiring waiting. Yeah, anybody been on a long journey and you kind of get to your destination and you think, all I've done is sat in the car for seven hours, but you feel tired. You're not necessarily waiting, but you just sat there. But waiting for something can be tiring. Or else Isaiah wouldn't have wrote that down. Said, those who wait upon the Lord. Who are you waiting on? You're waiting on him. But though it waits, wait for it because it will surely come. Your strength will be renewed. But isn't it interesting that our culture has just completely lost the ability to wait? Hasn't it? And that saddens me because I'm part of that culture. But if I have to wait for my coffee at Costa Coffee in a drive-thru, I get annoyed. I can't even make my own coffee nowadays. Elaine's face looking at me in disgust. I don't always get a Costa coffee. I'm just trying. This is preacher's empathy. I'm a preacher's license. But those people, you see sometimes when people are in the queue, drive through for Costa. I couldn't believe you. Costa drive through. Like we can't even make our own coffee now. We've got to drive through and someone else make it. What did we do? Yes, we went to the farmyard cafe yesterday near water. We had um, cream tea out there. And normally you make, you make your own cream tea, don't you, when they give you the jam and the cream and the scones but they make the cup of tea. Well, in this place here, it was, it was bizarre. We got a cream tea, and they went, well, the hot water and the tea bags are over there. And then we went out and said, we'll bring it out to you. And when they brought it out, it was already jam creamed up already. Totally bizarre, but we had to make our own cup of tea. It was, we're looking for the spoons, and we're like, where's the milk? So, and then as we sat there, these goats were chickens, and also you're putting your feet up. With, it was just, yeah, you didn't have to milk the goat, no, for the thing. <laughs> Yeah, the milk's outside walking around. <laughs> yeah. Just hang on a minute, I'm spilling. Hey, no, he's over there trying to put milk in your tea. I think I'll just have it black, I think. Oh, dear. Uh, I don't even know why I said that, but anyway. That, yeah, we had a cup of tea yesterday. But 
We've lost our ability to wait. And we were waiting yesterday, weren't we? And we were kind of looking, everyone else is having their food brought out, and we're thinking, how long are they taking here? We need to make, make our own cup of tea. How long do you have to wait for a cream tea nowadays? Sad, isn't it? We're just so impatient, we can't wait anymore. Keep milking it. But we've lost our ability to wait. But what was the father doing? The father was waiting. What are we doing for the building? We're waiting. What are we doing for our loved ones? We're waiting. What are we doing for those things God's promised us? We're waiting. But be encouraged. Be strengthened. Those who wait upon the Lord, their strength will be renewed. And in verse 15, I don't want to pick it all out because we know the story. Have a read of it if you've not read The, the Prodigal Son. It's a great Great story of restoration, and Rob's done it proud, and others have done it proud in this place. But I want to pick out a few things. Verse 15, it says that the son, that could be me and you, that can be others that we know, the son left his father who loved him to join himself to a group who didn't even care for him. The son wasted all his possessions. See, with the father, there's no waiting is ever wasted. you know that? But the question is today is to say, who are you joining yourself to? Who have you gone and joined yourself to? See, the son, the younger son, he valued his fake friends rather than his father. That's really saddening. Really saddening. But what's interesting to me is very often, isn't it strange that We're told to resist the devil in Jesus' name. We're told to resist him. But how many times in my own life do I end up actually not resisting the devil, but resisting God? (laughs) We go the other way around. It's perverse, isn't it, sometimes? But in all this, the father kept waiting. And he kept waiting. And in verse 16... It says that the son was at his, at his lowest. It says that he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. That's what the friends did. He was just a Jewish person. He had gone, they said to him to go and feed the swine and the goats and the running around trying to get his milk. But he said, go and feed the swine. And he was hungry. No one gave him anything, they said. Suddenly, he was hungry. Why was he hungry? If you're hungry enough, you'll do anything. If you're hungry enough, you'll eat anything. That applies spiritually as well. Do you know that? This guy, the young son, was hungry. He was desperate, he was empty, he was broke. He had spent everything. When you get hungry enough, are you hungry enough today? Are you hungry enough? See, when you're really there at wit's end, that's when you really find out what it is inside you, what you're really made of. He was broke, he was stinking, he was empty, he was alone. 
But in all this, the Father was still waiting. But verse 17, but, but, but when he came to himself, when he came to himself, nobody preached a sermon to him. He wasn't in church. He wasn't at a conference. Even though they're all important. This is what T.D. Jake said. He said, the best sermon you can preach is the one to yourself. That's the best sermon you can preach is the one that you preach to yourself. To be encouraged today, this, this lost son says when he came to himself, he was stinking broke, lonely. See, God takes you back on those terms. God takes you back on those terms. He wants you back. And that's my prayer. We, we talked about that this week. Is that my prayer is those that are wandered from God will get bored in their sin. They'll just get bored. They'll get fed up with sin and come to themselves. See, in all this time, the father's still waiting, but the son didn't know it. The son didn't know it. And can you imagine verse 20 when it says that he came to himself and he started talking to himself, saying, I'll go back to my father's house. In verse 20, it says that when he arose and come to his father, the excitement of the father looking. Can you just sense that for a minute? The excitement, the, the feeling of the father. The excitement of the father looking. And can you imagine as he's looking, he's thinking, is that my son? There's somebody on the horizon. Is that, it, looks like, it looks like it might be my son. No, it's not. It's not him. It's not him. A couple hours later, a few days later, a few months later, we don't know. But looking, saying, hey, I th- is, that my, is that my son? I think it's my son. My son's... Oh, no, it's not him. It's not him. So I remember a few years ago in looking, thinking, is that something? You know when you think you've seen someone and you've, it turns out it's not them? You ever been in that one? And you think, I'm sure that's so-and-so. And you think, no, it's not. <laughs> You're all nodding, saying, yeah, yeah. Normally people in church, you think... Oh, or someone, people think they see me, and then they duck out the way and think, no, we've seen it. I remember a few years ago in Dartmoor Zoo, with Jack was working up there at Dartmoor Zoo, and he's my youngest brother. And then I've got a younger brother, Wayne. And Wayne, people sort of say, oh, he's, he got the looks of the family. So my brother's, he's, he's quite, you know, he's, he's all right. He's been blessed in that department, I guess. <laughs> Don't tell him, though, all right? And so my youngest brother, Jack, was working in the, the, the cafe, and he sort of said, went back in and said, oh, when we went in, I think we were getting a cream tea then, actually, weren't we? <laughs> and we went in and said, oh, and a few people working on the table were like, oh, Jack, your brother's here. They said, your brother's here. He's, he's coming for a, for a cream tea. And they said, oh, get the goats ready. They said, get the goats. <laughs> so all of a sudden, as we were waiting to get our cup of tea and cream tea, and I started to notice a few 
younger females starting to appear out of the cafe and sort of few heads with, it's, it's, what, it's, Jack's, it's Jack's brother. It's, Jack, it's Jack's brother, everyone. It's Jack's brother. Jack's brother's come in. The youngest son, he's coming back on the horizon. He's coming back. It's like, it's like all these young females. It's Jack's brother. It's Jack's brother. And I'm thinking, where's all these girls coming from? Like, have I sprayed Lynx Africa, one of your jokes? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Jack came out. And he said, no, it's all right. It's just my older brother he went. <laughs> it's not. It's false alarm they're going. It's not, it's not the younger brother. It's the older one. It's all right. You can all go back to work. <laughs> and I'm there. Uh, but I was, I was, I'm already punching above my weight when I married Joe. I'm already punching above my weight. So are you, John, all right? <laughs> and you, Chris, okay? Punching above your weight when you got married. Eh? <laughs> it's all right. It's the older brother. Get back to work. So the father's still looking. I'm not offended. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. The father's still looking. The father's still looking. Wait for it. Though it tarries, it will surely come. Amen. And today, I want you to hear the message. Yes, it's worth the wait. But I want to tell you, God says you're worth the wait. Yeah. You, you are worth Thank you. the wait. Thank you, Lord. In verse 27, see the heavenly father, the father in this story, our heavenly father. What does it say? It says in verse 27, the brother got angry, the older brother. That was a bit like me with Wayne in the cafe. Got a bit angry. But the father said to him, your brother has come because he has received... The servant said to him, your brother has come back because he has received him safe and sound. That gives me great joy in my heart, safe and sound. See, we said for a long time now that this place is a safe place. This place is a sound place. Amen. And the Father received him back safe and sound. That brings me great joy because this is a place of safety, a yes. place of care yes. so that you can hear the sound of his voice. To give you a sound mind, 2 Timothy 1.7, he says, perfect love casts out fear, giving you a sound mind. There's no fear in the Father's presence. There's no fear in his presence. He wants to give you a sound mind. See, and the, the, the younger son was preparing his speech. What to say to the father when he came back. But what did the father do? He didn't care about the speech. He didn't want to hear the speech. While the younger son was still speaking, he put the robe around him. And he gave him a ring. He didn't want to hear the speech. It's a safe place. See, the eldest son, verse 28, says that he was angry. He said, I'm not coming in. Ever got like that before? <laughs> I'm not coming in. Throw your toys out the pram. Who's he think he is? This younger son of mine. Who's he think he is being good looking coming into the cafe? This is my <laughs> moment. Who's he think he is? The eldest son 
was angry. I'm not coming to celebrate. You see, that's one of the saddest parts of this story. Is that the eldest son wasn't with his father looking for the return of the youngest son? You thought about that? It says the father was looking for his return. What about the oldest son? What about our responsibility one to another? As Christians, see, the Bible says we're to love one another. We're to love one another. We're to bear each other's burdens, bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to be looking out for one another. You don't see that with the eldest son. We're supposed to be encouraging one another. Exhorting one another. Maybe giving a word of correction at the right time in love. Not love doing it. But in love. See, the eldest brother should have been more mature. The Bible talks about preferring the weaker vessel. The weaker vessel. He should have been... After his brother, he should have been loving on his brother. See, we focus quite rightly on the prodigal son, don't we? But there's three other pros. Get the first pro. There's three other pros that I want you to, to see this morning. That the father speaks to the eldest son. These were all things that the son had neglected. He took for granted. See, the first one he's got it up is proximity. What does that mean? Closeness. In verse 31, look, have a look. It says that he, the father, said to the son, what did he say to him? He said, son, you are always with me. Closeness. The eldest son had forgotten. He had neglected the fact that he was always with the father. Proximity. Closeness. The father says to you, hey, you're always with me. You're always with me. In Joshua 1.9, it says, wherever you go, God said, I will be with you. Hebrews 13.5, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Psalm 34.18 says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. John 14, 16, it says the Holy Spirit will be with you always. He will come alongside you as a comforter, a helper. The eldest son had neglected that. Number two, is that one provision? That's right. Provision. Verse 31, again, the father says to the son, all I have is yours. Son, you've always been with me, proximity, but provision as well. Son, all I have is yours. The Father is your provider. Philippians 4 says, I will supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. All your needs, not necessarily your wants, not your wish list. All your needs, I will supply all your needs. I'm your provider. The father was the one who had provision. Son, all I have is yours. And the last one, protection. See, the younger son had gone from his father's presence. But he had to come back to the place of safety. The state of being safe. 
And that applies when he says, son, all I have is yours. My provision, my protection, my presence. Psalm 91 is an incredible psalm of safety. Have a read of it later. Abiding in the Father's presence. See, God says today, you're worth the wait. And as the youngest son was still speaking, what was he doing? He was wrapping a robe around him. While he was still stinking. While he was still broke. Isn't that a glorious picture for you today? See, the father runs to you. What makes the father run? This guy in his old age. What makes the father run? You do. You make the father run. You do. And today the father's still waiting for you. Just to stand to our feet, please. Father's still waiting. You're worth the wait. And today, I don't know where you've been, what you've been doing, what you've been up to, but God sees you. I heard that message last week. He sees you. And God wants you to know your Heavenly Father today, you're worth the wait. That the son was lost, but he was found. He was dead, but now he's alive. The father was waiting in silence. And today it might be that you just need to say, hey God, you need to come to yourself. You need to come to yourself. Say, Father, I need you. Father, things aren't working out. Father, I can't fix this. But you can. I need to get to the place of safety. I need to get to the place of being sound. The Father's waiting for you. Will you respond to him this morning with eyes closed, please? There's an invitation here. The Father is waiting for you because you're worth the wait. Now is the time. For those who may never have accepted Jesus this morning online or in the place, in this place of worship, in this building, if you've never accepted Jesus, and now is the time. The Father's waiting for you. No matter what you've done, you're broke, you're stinking, you're lonely, you're empty. The Father takes you just as you are. He took me like that. Will you respond to him? I want to give you opportunity to say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I need you in my life. That there was a day when Jesus came and he gave it all for you to set you free from sin 
that you were dead, but now you're alive. Because you're worth the wait. He wants you to know that this is a safe place. A safe place that can bring breakthrough. If you're hungry today, you can be fed. You can be fed. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you never gave up on us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you never gave up. That you were still looking, you were still waiting. Help us today, Lord, to, to understand that you are always with us. Help us not to be like the eldest son, Lord, that neglected that fact. That you're in close proximity. That you hold all provision and protection. That's our prayer today, Lord. Help us to understand that all you have, you've given us, that we are seated in heavenly places, that you have blessed us. You've already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And we're safe. Can you say thank you to Jesus this morning? Thank you, Lord. And Lord, it would be amiss for us not to pray for those, Lord, who have drifted from your presence, who think that they know better. Lord, we pray, Lord, today that they come to themselves. We pray, Lord, that they come to themselves. That's our prayer, Lord, today. And then we're going to wait. And we're going to keep praying. And we're going to keep believing. And we're going to keep declaring the goodness of God in this place. Thank you, Jesus.